welcome to another episode of Stuck in My Mind Podcast. I am your host, W-I-Z-E. My next guest is the founder of Mind's Eye Creative Consulting. She's a passionate advocate for nurturing the creative spirit within us all. Welcome to the show, Ashton Rodenheiser. Hey, I'm Hello. so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, the pleasure's mine. Just, I'm, I'm excited. So <laughs> let's, let's do it. All right. So so how, how did you discover your passion for graphic recording and, and creative consulting? Yeah. So I, all right, I'll, I'll go back and tell like a little bit of my story because it's kind of important to make more sense. So I, I won't go into it. Yeah. So I, um, I really struggled in high school kind of knowing what I wanted to do for work and what I quote unquote wanted to be when I grew up. And I think secretly I wanted to be an artist, but it was something that I didn't really feel like it was even on the table for me as, as something to pursue because there was so much negativity around what it was like to be an artist, you know, the starving artist mentality and all of that jazz. So I, I decided to take early childhood education because I just wanted to be a mom that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I decided to take that and that ended up leading me into uh, working at a place, a nonprofit family center, where I started to learn about community development and facilitation and how you can bring people together in a safe space to have conversations. And it's less about you as the facilitator having all the knowledge, but more about creating those environments where people feel um like they can share what's going on with them and they can learn from others and learn from their almost their own wisdom that kind of comes out and and facilitating uh, the conversation to allow people to feel connected to their own inner wisdom. So I really fell in love with that world um, around facilitation and, and how to help people move through um, processes or decisions in their own way. And I heard about a term called graphic facilitation, but I didn't know what it was. Um, I still don't know what it is. <laughs> well, there we'll get into it then. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds cool because graphic. I'm like, mm, I, you know, I like creativity. That sounds like a good time. And I took like a one day course and the rest was history. And that was 10 years ago this month um, that I started this journey. So yeah, that's kind of how I landed here. So we can kind of go into what all that looks like, but that's sort of the long and short of how I, I got to where I am today. Yes. <laughs> so 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 can you explain what is graphic recording? I'm sure those people who would like to know what it is, because I'm not familiar with it, honestly. Yeah. So there's sort of, you know, every industry has all their different terms that they like to use, right? So there's graphic recording, there's visual thinking, there's graphic facilitation, there's live illustration. But it's really my job when I am at a conference or in a session that's being facilitated to help people. Um, I, I visualize the information that flows out of that presentation or that meeting in real time. So when I'm in person, it's literally usually with like paper and markers. And when I'm virtual, it's like on my drawing screen. So as you're hearing information from a presenter or sharing something, I'm drawing it in the moment. And then when the day is over or the hour session is over, you get a visual representation of what just happened, what was just said, what were those key ideas that the presenter was trying to get across or what were the the big themes that came out of that meeting, right? And because most people think in pictures and we're like, our default mode is like visual thinking, even though we don't usually think about that we're visual thinkers, but we, by default, we are. Um, it speaks to the majority of the people in the room. So it's like this beautiful way to engage with people in the moment and have that like immediate learning and helping them with that learning. But then there's also the the longevity of that information. So like how many times do we end up at these conferences and there's all this information, but you don't remember a lot of it, right? But if you have this visual snapshot of the lessons that came out of that presentation or the information that came out of that meeting, you actually will remember it. And then stepping further than that, you can actually take action on that, right? Because ideally when you leave a meeting or a conference, you want to take action on what you just heard. But you can't take action if you don't remember it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So 
it's um it's this nice beautiful way to be able to have that information in like a clear and concise way um because we oftentimes we'll like scribble little notes and then you don't understand them and then you throw put them away and you never look at them again or what have you so it's these nice nice um kind of one pager graphics of of each presentation or meeting or what have you so yeah but it can it can can it be of whatever the presenter is 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 presenting is it's just okay i i, I guess it's it's some, something similar to for me when i go to conferences and i go to events i take a lot of notes i i yeah. so i i guess that way this one's much more visual than it right. is anything okay yeah so it's like taking words that you're hearing but then using little imagery and lines and little containers and things to like elevate certain ideas that are coming out. So, you know, sometimes a presenter will be like the five main lessons, like, well, that's easy. One, two, three, four, five. And you write down the lessons, but it's sometimes is not that intuitive or they don't make it that clear. So there's the process of me listening as I'm in the room with everybody else. I'm thinking about what I'm hearing. I'm trying to synthesize it. I'm trying to make those connections and then putting that on paper or digital in a way where I'm combining the words, but then I'm also drawing pictures in the moment to help solidify the meaning of that. And maybe a speaker says something at the very beginning and then he doesn't mention it again until the very end. And then I can help make those connections, right? So trying to help weave in the lessons together if that makes sense yeah yeah so so what is the significance of of visual storytelling and the communication of ideas yeah so like i said we naturally think in pictures so the majority of us do right and you know as cliche as it is like a picture's worth a thousand words right like we know that um visuals are important to us, right? The example that I like to usually use is like YouTube is the second largest search engine in the world for a reason, right? We want to see somebody make something or do something, right? Um, folks definitely have different preferred ways that they like to learn, but if you to talk to the majority of people, they'll mention visuals as a preferred way of learning, right? Technically, learning styles have be been defunct. Apparently, that's like not a thing anymore. <laughs> but I think it's more so from a sense that people would get like stuck into one idea of learning. And we learn in so many different ways. I find people just have different preferences. Whereas I did not prefer to learn by listening. But now that I do this work, um, my like brain is rewired to prefer to listen, right? I don't, if I have to read something and then try to create a drawing out of it is like not my preferred way of doing it now. And I've just like honed my listening skills so much so that that's sort of my preferred way of taking in information and then the visual to create something. Um, stories connect us all. We're all storytellers. Um, and and I, I think some people think that they aren't, but we all are. We all you know, remember that time when dot, 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 right? We connect to each other by using stories. That's how, you know, stories create an emotional response most of the time. And when you feel something, you remember it, right? And so stories are a really powerful way to help bridge um, bridge connections or, or bridge different groups of people together um, or trying to, you know, get some of your own wisdom across by telling a story, right? Um, and we will remember the story more than the facts at the end of the day. Someone can spew off, well, this and that and this and that. Um, here's a graph. Here's another statistic. You know, you're not going to remember those as much as you, you will when someone tells you like a story and you felt something from it. Yeah. No, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, mm -hmm. As far as even with the learning, because when I like I wasn't prior to me podcasting and doing what I'm doing, I was not in media. I didn't do editing. I didn't do any of that. And when I started podcasting and being an independent podcaster, not having a team behind me, not having a machine behind me, I had to learn a lot of stuff. Yeah. And YouTube, looking, looking, yeah. watching the videos, learning yeah. how to use certain 
software that I, I purchased or some certain free software. It was yeah. visual. It was just me. I, I'm looking at it, looking, and, and and if I didn't understand it, I would go back and look at it again until yeah. I really started being able to apply it on on the right here, like looking at the video. And I got two screens, so I had the video here on one side <laughs> and I had the other one over here, and I'm nice. trying to mimic whatever they're doing. And that's yeah. how I started learning how to edit my, my videos and how to edit my audio. And mm -hmm. it's just so many different things that I've learned visually. Mm -hmm. I didn't, like, like you said, I didn't, you said, you're absolutely right. I'm, I'm, I'm a visual learner. Mm -hmm. It's easier for me to watch a video and, and look at the video. If, Cause if I have, to, if I'm having issues, I go back and, and rewind and, and watch it. And so mm -hmm. it, it's helped. And then doing audio. Now I'm realizing I can sit to listen to audio books before then sin and reading the book because then I might start falling asleep or my eyes start hurting. <laughs> if, I, if I if I put my earbuds in, yeah, and I, and I, and I have a book that I want to listen to, it's it's also helped me a lot compared to just like mm -hmm. doing this has opened up so many different ways for me to learn. Yeah, yeah, it, you know that we all have different ways that we prefer or what have you. And, and yeah, I love, I love that. And I think that's why the podcast world in, in general has been so, um, yeah, just elevated because people like to listen, you know, some people like to read stuff. Some people will like to watch a video. Some people would like just to listen and not have the distraction of video or they want it combined or what have you. Right. So yeah, there's just, there's so many opportunities of the way that we bring in information. And for me, it's really about, you can bring in the information all day long. That's fine. But can you bring it in a way that you have the deeper understanding in the moment as well, right? Whereas, you know, traditional note-taking is all words, but because we think in pictures naturally, like why aren't we combining pictures with the words, right? So, um, and the example I like to give is like, you know, imagine you're a student in the classroom and they there's a traditional note taker where it's just all words. And the next one beside is with words and pictures from the teacher's perspective, which one can you visually see their learning? You can't see learning with just words, but maybe you'd be able to understand a little bit deeper if you got to see the, some words, maybe not as many words and that's okay. Some words, some little doodles, some little pictures and lines and how they connect to the information and it opens up a conversation, right? And at the end of the day, that's what art is, whether it's audio art like a podcast or visual art like a sketch note, which is what I usually call it when you're doing it for yourself, like sketch noting or visual note taking, right? It's a way to open up a door for a conversation, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. so, so what kind of challenges do clients typically face when trying to convey a complex concept? Yeah, I think that's kind of where I like to work in in particular is like when things are very complicated, right? Sometimes like I like working with people who appreciate me as the outside like observer and I'm able to look at everything as a whole. Right. So when people are saying things and I'm also not like bogged down with like office politics. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I can kind of hear everybody um, and and be able to kind of bridge and make those connections and ask clarifying questions for something. They might think that something is common sense, but it's not, you know, so like I can kind of muddle my way through. How do I take these? what they're struggling with and try to simplify <laughs> it so that everybody understands the process or the direction or what have you. Right. And when it's visual and you can see, we're going to do this and then this is happening. It gives people in the moment an opportunity to go like, no, 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 we need this step before this step. Right. And so there's the complexity piece, which I really love. And then there's also how I got into this work as a facilitator, the love that I have for group process in terms of allowing people to feel valued, heard, um, and in that engagement in the space where, you know, you said something, I draw a picture, or write down the words right in front of you and you feel validated. Like this was a, this, like, I'm a part of this meeting. I'm a part of this team and everybody's collective voice is there. And, 
you know, I've been in many situations where I've had people come up to me at the end and say like, I worked here for like 10, 20, 30 years and no one, I've never really like felt heard before, right? Like no one's asked me how I felt about something and had it like felt like I was being listened to, right? So there's a lot of power in the pen, right? And how we use something like this form of communicating to allow people to feel heard. So there's like, there's so many different ways that people like to use it. And those are sort of my, my favorite elements is the, the breaking down complexity to try to help people to move through wherever they're trying to achieve. And then the feeling seen, heard, and validated when you're in a space where you're trying to contribute to the, the vision of that organization or whatever it is, right? Instead of it being um, like a top-down approach. So I definitely work with clients who care about the learning or the engagement of the people at that conference or in that room. What are some of the uh, common misconceptions people have about incorporating creativity into communication? Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like I've just been talking a lot about creativity in general a lot lately. And, and I don't, I don't know if it's just like, I, you know, I'm sure we could get into a whole other conversation about like AI and all of that, but like, I feel like people, you know, maybe I'm not going to answer your question in terms of misconceptions, but like people, I think as time goes on and we get more and more inundated with so many opportunities to have technology enhance our lives, we're going to have so many things just like automated and make things easy for us in our business and our life. We're, we're going to be seeking opportunities for human connection, right? So I'm not really worried in the world of like, is AI going to take my job? Like, because like maybe an AI could like draw a picture that that's fine, but they're not going to help bridge the connections that humans are going to want to be making even more clearly. And, and I definitely have my pre COVID and post COVID sort of story in terms of I was a hundred percent in person. Now I'm almost a hundred percent digital. Yeah. Right. So it's, um, but people are still wanting me and I still do. I, I was in two in-person events last week, um, you know, but there's more and more people, even though we were so virtual, they still are going back to in person mm-hmm. because we still value being in person. That connection, yeah. That that human to human connection is still, it's, it's important now. And I think as the next few years go on and how things kind of shift technology wise, I think it's going to be even more important. Um, that's my, that's my hypothesis. Talk to me in two years and see if I was right or wrong. No. Who knows? No, it, no, it, it, is, it, it is very important. I, I like the last two years I've attended PodFest mm-hmm. and it's been those connections that I've made there and some of the relationships I've been able to build through like I've yeah. um so we met through Podmatch mm-hmm. and um Alex Sanfilippo is is the is the creative Podmatch and I've been able to build a relationship the last 2 years attending these in-person mm-hmm. events and and I've been able to build relationships with other people that I I've recorded mm-hmm. episodes prior to really meeting them in person so being able to connect with them in person Mm -hmm. and really get to speak to them and sit down and 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 have some great conversations in person it's been something that i highly i highly recommend for everyone who's who's in podcasting if if there's a local local event near you where you can go attend where you can Mm -hmm. network with people and connect with people it's very important that you have these in-person events because the human connection, like you said, just being able to interact with each other in person, not just virtually, it, it, it's a it's a great feeling, and, and it's yeah. helped me really grow as a podcaster, as an individual. Mm-hmm. You get to build these these amazing relationships with people. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't answer your question, but I'll kind of tie it all up here in terms of. You know, creativity is a conduit for for human connection, right? Um, and you know, you can you can bring people together to have conversations in so many different ways. But you know, my experience and how I have used art and creativity is to bring people together, 
you know, I used to run an art at night festival for like seven years before the pandemic that I started in my little hometown of 8,000 people. <laughs> and I would double the population of that town in one night. Um, it was a good time, but it was about bringing people together to experience and have conversations about creative things that they wouldn't normally experience. So expanding people's perspective of what art is, right? So we'd have like all different types of art, not just like a painting on a wall when you think of an art, right? So, and for me, it's creativity isn't about, creativity and art to me are two completely different things. Um, and creativity is like the way that we move through life and create things, right? Whether it's the words that we say or the drawings that we draw, it doesn't have to be art in the sense of something that would be hung in an art gallery, for example, right? So, you know, creative. So my other hypothesis is that creativity and creative thinkers are going, it's going to be like one of the top skill sets that, you know, in the world people are going to be looking for. They're going to want to have business relationships with people who are creative thinkers. They're going to want employees that are creative thinkers, right? Because we can use technology for so much other stuff, we're going to want to have the people that can think a little bit differently, right? Um, like my uh, my son is, we're like doing a Halloween thing right now, right? And he wants to be a Halloween store for Halloween. <laughs> so he doesn't <laughs> want to just be like a thing. He wants to be like all of the things. He wants to have like little outfits in like a store. And I'm like, I was like, how in the world, like I asked him the other day, like, how in the world did you ever come up with this idea? Like, it's like the best idea ever. It's original. Like, it's definitely know. original. I was like, I don't know. I just thought about it. And I'm like, I just think that's so great. Right. So like we're building this thing together. He thought of this idea of like sticking a moon and stars over top of the stores. We were building that last night and like cutting them out of cardboard and painting them and stuff. But it's like you know, you need to be fostering that in, in the next generation and, and, and the people that we have in the world right now is that creativity. And, um, it, I think it kind of makes the world go around. So it's pretty darn important in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is one of the, uh, one of the, one of the most rewarding parts of your work? Yeah, I, I definitely feel very honored to be a part of some of these conversations. Um, sometimes you get to hear, you like on the news, you'll hear about an issue, right? And it's like a 10, 15 minute clip with this group says this and this group says that. And you kind of have to form your own opinion about something with the limited amount of lived experience you would hear from someone, right? So sometimes I get these really fascinating opportunities where I get to spend like a whole day or two with a group of people talking about a very particular uh, issue with all of their lived experience. So there could be like hundreds of years of experience within the 20 or 30 or more people in the room, right? You get to learn a lot about a lot of different issues and be able to feel educated a little bit. And not just from what is kind of portrayed or put out there on social media, whatever, but being able to talk and listen and hold the space for people who are trying to work through an issue, especially if it's like an intergenerational thing that's been like going on for a long time. Um, and being able to kind of hear those, the the thoughts, the opinions, the that lived experience through people who are in it and are living that issue every day definitely is extremely eye-opening. You know, it's very humbling and it's very honoring. And I I I definitely when I enter those types of spaces, um, I want to say tread lightly, but I just like I'm I try to be as respectful as possible, right, to them, especially if I'm of a different culture than, than them or what have you is like, I'm coming in to help them build these connections and make these connections with one, one another and their ideas and what they're going through. And, and sometimes that's, you know, it's not all 
happy-go-lucky conversation sometimes. Sometimes they're pretty darn heavy. And, that was my yeah. next question. That was my next question. Hey, what, have you ever had a project that, that really challenged you and made you think outside the box and it, and it resulted in something that was that was magical? Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can think of one in particular. Um, the one thing that is not ideal is like I I don't oh I'm not always in it for like the long haul. So a lot of people will bring me in for a particular piece of work or a particular conversation, but then then they go off and they do the rest of their community engagement or their reports or or whatever. So like that's the only thing that sometimes I have to just be like, I just kind of have to let go of it is like, I am here for to serve them in this moment, but I don't like, and I hope that it has a long lasting impact for the rest of whatever they're doing, but I'm not always involved with the rest of it. Like there's certainly been a few times where they like, we're doing a year long project and we're going to get you to come in at this phase and at this phase and at this phase at the end. And I kind of get to help piece it all together but that's not as common, unfortunately. So usually like the impact that I and the positive experiences that I receive are more in the moment for that that thing, that one particular session or what have you. But there are certainly organizations and events and things that I've worked with like, you know, every year for six, seven years now, right? So I get to build relationships and be embedded into those communities a little bit more. Like, you know, a lot of my clients end up like being my friends, <laughs> you know, because they're just great people. Because I have a, a rule, if you're not like easygoing and fun, I can't work with you. So, <laughs> you know, I'm pretty uh, particular about kind of who I work with now because they need to be someone who respects my creative process and lets me do what I do best and to be able to support them in in that way. But anyways, I don't know if I really answered your question, but there's lots of stuff there. <laughs> this is a theme of me not answering your question. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So so beyond work, you, you and your family live in rural Canada. How, yeah. how do you find balance and maintain your creativity in both your professional and your personal mm -hmm. life? Oh my gosh, this is something that I've actually been really wrestling with lately because I it I call it a champagne problem. I'm very busy in my work and I love what I do and I've been doing it for a long time. But because it is because it is a creative job, I have to be able to just like turn on my creativity like instantly, right? And that takes a lot of cognitive load. It takes like a lot of energy, mental, physical, emotional, sometimes energy. And I put all of that into my work. Right. And so what I'm saying like that I'm sort of in this space right now, like how can I regain or keep some of that creativity for myself, for my own creative projects or with my family and stuff like that. So it's something that I haven't really quite figured out a balance for yet. Um, I definitely spend an exuberant amount of time with my family and my children because they're like my favorite people. So I want to hang out with them. And we have a lot of land here. And we like, I spend as much time outside as I possibly can, which is going to be hard soon with winter coming. But you know, we do a thousand hours outside challenge every year to try to get a thousand hours as a family outside, which is really hard to do. It's like almost three hours a day <laughs> if you span it out for the whole day. So it's pretty hard um, or span it out for the whole year. Um, you know, so I try to feed my creativity and 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 step away from a screen um, as much as I can. But, you know, I definitely still really love what I do and I want to spend a lot of time doing it. <laughs> but this like energy creative exchange is something that I haven't, that I'm just starting kind of, I think because I just producing so much work that I'm trying to figure out what that balance looks like for me and how can I regain some of that creativity and keep it for myself to do my own kind of projects and my own stuff. Yeah. So I haven't figured that out yet. I'm work, It's a work in progress, but I'm working on it. <laughs> 
Okay. So what what advice would you give to someone who is looking to okay to explore their own creative potential and incorporate it into their work? What would I say to somebody who is thinking about how they can infuse creativity more into their work? Yeah. Yeah. So um I find most people have a very real weird relationship with creative creativity. Majority of people I encounter, they're like, oh, I'm not creative. I, I would I I agree because prior to me podcasting and, and starting mm -hmm. my podcast, I didn't consider myself a creator. I didn't think Ooh. of myself uh, a, a, <clears throat> yeah. a being cre creative or any of that. And uh, and what do you think now? <laughs> or, it's it's not as furthest from that's the furthest from thing from the truth. Yeah. I am creating content constantly. I'm yeah. I'm evolving and learning. Like podcasting is an art form. <laughs> like it, it, it is. takes work. It takes work and, yeah. and a lot of dedication to to really get it to where I really want it. Like I'm still yeah. learning and growing. I had a, a, a hiccup the other day where I f did a live show mm. for an hour. Mm. Lucky it was just me. It wasn't a guest. It was just me. <laughs> and I had no yeah. sound. Oh, my gosh. I had no sound. And, wow. and it was, but I laughed. I laughed the whole like Because my friend caught the end of it. And he's like, um, I know I, I'm just catching the last of it, but I, I haven't heard. I, didn't, I can't hear you. And when yeah. I seen the when I seen the message, and I went and looked back and and checked out the episode, I had no sound. I was like, Oh my gosh! <laughs> but, yeah, but, it, but it's those moments that you just laugh and um, it just happens sometimes. Like even yeah. with me being doing this for th three and a half years now, there's still times where I still make little mistakes here and there, but yeah you learn from them and 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 you take and you take it and you and you you laugh at the moment and yeah and just make sure now i make sure every time i'm i'm gonna make sure my mic is connected <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I like to channel like bob ross you know like american artist or tv artist personality guy like yeah. with his big hair yeah mm -hmm. he uh he had there's a saying that he has around happy little accidents Right. So it was just a, it was just a happy little accident. You know, it's all good. And I try to channel that when I'm doing my my uh, live illustration work and stuff. I'm like, so I'll just turn this thing into something else. Look at that. Um, but I think, yeah, so so there there definitely is. I, I think you have to start at the beginning and the beginning is it's not even about about answering the question, like, how do you infuse creativity into your work or your life, it's about acknowledging that you're a creative human um, at its core because we have a very weird relationship with creativity and that that word is very triggering for people. And that's what I'm really experiencing a lot lately. And, and the majority of it is I think people, the majority of us have had a negative experience with their creativity at some point, whether or not you remember which one it is um, I know, remember what mine was when I was in grade four, when my teacher told me I was painting wrong. And in my little, you know, grade four brain, while you're like nine years old, I went, I can't paint. I'm not an artist. I'm not creative. It's over. Right. <laughs> so, you know, luckily I still did lots of different things, but, um, I didn't paint a whole lot after that until I was in college. Um, and I picked up the paintbrush again, but you know, we, a lot of us have, have a story where someone in our life or something happened. And when we internalized that little comment or that little experience, we went, oh, we are not creative anymore. <laughs> like, no, you know, whereas like, I love asking my children, they're still pretty little, you know, are you an artist? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> like, duh. Like if you ask children, are you an artist? Their default answer is yes. That is my personal experience. And I know a lot of other people have experienced that too with children. They're just like, yeah, like, of course I am. Like, why wouldn't I be? But somewhere along the lines, whether it happened to you when you were really little or you were your teenager, something happened that told you you were not creative. And then you're like, well, we're going to leave that art stuff to those people 
who can be creative because that's not me. Or if you think, well, I, I can't draw, so I'm not creative or I can't podcast. So I'm not creative. Or we have these like really weird um, definitions of what creative is, what art is. And, you know, it's, it's just a funny thing. So I think acknowledging that that's the truth for the majority of people, the majority of the people have had an experience where it told them that they weren't creative. Mm -hmm. They have to make a decision that they're going to take back that control. Like, no, no, no. I know I believe that at one point, but I'm going to rewire my brain (laughs) and be like, no, no, I am creative. And this is the way I like to be creative, or these are the ways I want to try out to see if I'm creative in these different ways, right? Um, so, so in order before you can even like, I guess, think about how we're going to infuse that into your your work and life, you have to like get comfortable with the concept of like owning that you are a creative human being, <laughs> and that is hard for a lot of people to kind of to get to towards. Yeah, because people say to me all day long, oh, I could never do what you do. I'm like, yeah, but you could, though. I could teach it to you in 15 minutes. You know, you'd have to practice a lot. Mm-hmm. You'd have to practice a lot. You know, like I said, I've been doing this for 10 years. You'd have to practice a lot to get good at it. But you could do it, and you could actually learn it in a very short amount of time. <laughs> you know I'm, what I mean? I am living proof yeah. of that. I am living. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I didn't do media. I wasn't in radio none of that it was just me wanting to do a podcast and just finally facing my fear and yeah and and challenging myself to the fact where because before starting i had this it was just a lot of negative self-talk it was a lot of me saying i'm not creative i'm not no one's gonna want to hear what i'm talking about i don't have a voice i I sound horrible Uh, and, You've got a um, nice voice. I'm just saying. You got like the best podcast voice. <laughs> I'm just he's not paying me to say this. Nice thing. No, no, no. I, but but just like how you just laugh, that's what I get from people when I say that. Okay. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> are like, you kidding me? Like you have a radio voice. Yeah, like, yeah, they're like, you have a radio voice. What are you talking about? And but yeah. to me at that moment, it was just yeah, just the fear and me and just yeah, the years of just like how your teacher told you at nine years old, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you're painting that wrong. That's mm-hmm. gonna put doubt in anybody's mind. That's gonna put doubt. In like, oh, you're not creative. You're not intelligent, or whatever it is. Yeah. And th- and that's and that's what happens. We 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 allow other people to cast their beliefs on us. And so yeah. when they say that we're not creative or we're not talented enough, mm-hmm. we we tend to believe that. And so we have to really struggle th- through that and yeah. come out come out the other side and be like, no, I am creative. Mm-hmm. I don't care what that person said about me. I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. And so it's just been, for me, just like I said, I didn't think I was a creative person until mm-hmm. I finally started doing my podcast and I had to start doing thumbnails and I started, <laughs> started doing all these things. I started getting into Canva yeah. and yeah and all these different programs and and i'm realizing okay i am creative like yeah all these years i've been thinking i'm not and it took me 40 something years to realize i was creative yeah and i heard something recently about talent i i'll have to if, if i find it i'll share it with you but it was something about like talent doesn't exist like it's not a thing like because like we might have more inclinations of our desires of what we like but it's just choosing that thing and doing it. Like that's what gives you talent is just doing it and closing the beginner gap that Lisa Condon talks about in finding your artistic voice book around like your sk- you want your skills to be here, but they're here and you need to do the work to get yeah. your skills to that point. And that's you watching probably thousands of hours of YouTube videos to know how to edit your podcast and do your thumbnails and do all that stuff, right? You weren't like born talented podcaster. You built your talent through the work and through the grind and through the passion. And, and like the word that I usually refer to myself is like, I'm not special. I'm just tenacious. 
Like when I decide I'm going to do something. And when I was like, when I found this work, I was like, I'm going to do it and I want to do it well. Mm -hmm. And I threw everything I had at it. And I had like little babies at the time. You know, you have to throw everything at it if you really want to get really good, you know? So it's less like, I love those stories about like the comedians or the musicians and, and you see, they just like blow up overnight. But if you look back, they had, it, you know, it's like whatever that saying is like, I'm a 20 year uh, overnight success story or something. Right. But that's the truth for a lot of people and a lot of creatives of, yeah, I've been doing this for this long, but just this one podcast episode ended up just sort of blowing up. And now I'm a little bit more well-known or this graphic went or this real, like, you know, it's, um, it's a, it's a funny, it's a funny thing. Like I had, I was on a podcast recently and they put a reel on Instagram and it went viral and there's 1500 hate comments about what I said on this podcast. And the, and the comment that I said was around, not praising children for their artwork. And people were so triggered by that, right? I probably shouldn't made like a sweeping comment, like don't praise children. But <laughs> I'm like, art, like when children create, and this goes for us humans too, it's a door to a conversation, right? It's, it's not meant to be, that's beautiful. Goodbye forever. <laughs> like you're just creating for production. You're creating for the validation that you're going to get that someone said it was beautiful, right? And you burn yourself out, either you're a child or you're an adult, if that's all you receive or if that's all you're doing it for is for praise and validation, right? We create and we want people to have a conversation with us about what it is that we're creating. That's the also the human connection piece, right? But people were so triggered. I'm like, whoa, I got 1,500 haters online. This is crazy, like overnight. Because, <laughs> But obviously, like these, these people, like I would say they probably didn't have a lot of love and praise, right? So they needed that. And like I totally honor that space that they're in. But, you know, for me in terms of like creativity, it's it's a way to connect with one another. It's not about being praised. Like, you know, you're going to get the self-satisfaction of having conversations with people. But if the only thing that you got was that was a nice podcast episode, that was a nice podcast episode, and that's all you got from it, eventually you'd get sort of like, yeah, okay, I guess I guess I'm good. But is that enough to keep me going? Like there has to be something else there that feeds your soul about podcasting that gets you out of bed every day to do it. And maybe in the beginning, praise gets you kind of over that hump. You got some cheerleaders and you're like, yeah, maybe I can do this. But that's not what's going to get you in the, over the long haul. No, it's, Thank it's, you for well, coming for my TED, to my TED Talk about that. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's definitely the work. It's the work you put into it. Because um, if you listen to one of my earlier episodes, you can see the growth from those early episodes Absolutely. to where I am now. Yeah. And yeah. it, it, the work that I put into the show is the work that I put into myself. It's me wanting to improve. It's me investing in quality mic, investing in a quality camera, getting yeah. me the proper setup for me to do my show. Absolutely. And it, it yeah. was it was me wanting to. And it, the thing was, it, I was like, people are giving me something very precious. They're giving me their time, and my goal is to make sure that they get the best quality that I can provide for them, the best sound, the best video, because they're giving me something very precious. And I just felt that I had to invest in myself in order to give them that. Absolutely. Yeah, but you have to believe in yourself and do that work to get to that point, right? So mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing. And we all, yeah, I think like we we tend to compare ourselves to people who've been um, like we, we idolize others, right? We put people on pedestals like, oh, well, I'll never be able to draw like Ashton or, oh, I'll never be able to have a nicely produced podcast. Like, well, like I'm, it's not possible. Right. And I'm like, you know, it's just a matter of the, the tenacity that you put in and, and the drive and the determination to not give up. And like us determined people are in, unfortunately the minority, um, and, and I'm, it saddens me when people give up 
on their creativity in particular because it's something that morphs and changes over time. And you can love something for a while and then it morphs into something else creative and that's okay too. But you kind of need to just always like be in that space where like creativity is important to just being in the world and building connections and relationships with others. Yeah. Okay. What we didn't have, what we didn't get to talk about is <laughs> is Mind's Eye Creative Consulting, which, which yeah. is a company. Um, what made you? I love the name, first of all. Oh, thanks. Um, so, um, what made you want to start your own business? Like, this is something that you really. Yeah. So it's it's a funny thing. Um, I think sometimes when you, there's a job that you want to have but no one's hiring for it, you have to create a business. So I never sought out to create a business. <laughs> Newsflash, not all business owners like thought they were going to create a business. Um, so I really wanted to figure out how to do this more than a hobby. And so I sought out others who were doing it. I attended a conference and I was like, I was looking for the proof, right? That's what happens. Mm -hmm. There's a tip, there's an Ashton tip for you. Look for the proof of what you want to do. Cause you can look for the proof that it's not going to work all day long and watch all the YouTube videos of how podcasts fail, but you look for the proof. You look for the ones that succeed and you emulate and you inspire from those, right? You get inspiration from those. So anyways, I started like looking for the proof that was out there. Do other How are other people doing this full time? And 99.9% .9 of them created their own business. So I was like, oh, I guess I have to create a business now. <laughs> I guess I have to figure that whole thing out. Um, so I got into this, one, never going to art school, and two, never not going to business school. So you, also YouTube was my best friend when it came to like, how do I create a website and how do I do a logo and how do I do all yeah. these things? Right. So, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I didn't start off with the most beautiful website and the most beautiful portfolio and the most beautiful things, um, you know, and zero YouTube subscribers and zero followers and all that stuff. But mind you, I don't really look at those metrics too much in, in terms of my success, but, um, you know, that's, you know, luckily, um, entrepreneurship is fits very well for me. I love it. I, I, my husband and I joke because he also owns a business that we are both unemployable. Nobody would want to hire us because we would just want it our way, <laughs> right? So, um, and uh, he was a lot of inspiration for me too because he started his business right out of high school doing like landscaping and things. So he and he didn't have any um, experience and creating a business and didn't go to business school. And I'm like, well, he's smart and I'm smart. And he figured it out. I could figure it out. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of just like I had to create a business because this is what I wanted to do for work and no one was hiring for it. And then, and then I just really kind of went down the path of luckily one of the things that I'm very grateful that I did, I was on a bit of a self-development journey at the time. So I really focused a lot of my self-development energy into like business and mindset and money and rewiring my brain to try to believe that I could be successful and that I deserve to get highly compensated and like, I, I honestly, I tell people that I spent just as much time, if not more on my mindset work as I did on my actual business or my act, like the actual like business activities or like the actual like drawing pictures and stuff like that, because it was so um, important in, especially in those early, early, not just days, but early years of believing that it was possible um, and seeking out other people that were doing the same kind of thing and stuff like that. So, um, so I think a combination of those things, cause I certainly have seen people in my industry that haven't, um, that struggled through COVID big time and just struggled before COVID. And, and, uh, the only thing that I could see as a differentiating is, is the mindset work that kind of, that I've done compared to, um, what I've, they've told, they told me that they didn't do. Right. So I know how important it is to, to be thinking about your thinking <laughs> when it comes to 
creating a business. It's so, and I really had to, this took a couple of years, but I really had to like lean in on how I want to be in my business. Not the, the bro that talks about all the funnels and all the stuff. Like I want to do it my way that feels authentic and genuine to me as Ashton in this world, someone who has a business, but yes, I'm selling and yes, I am have to, you know, pitch myself to people and I have to do things, but I can do it in a way that feels really genuine and authentic to who I am. And when they hire me, they're hiring the Ashton experience. I'm not like they either get the value or they don't. And I'm not there to convince them one way or the other. I'm just, this is how I could help you out. If we work together, we'd have a good time and you get a lot of value out of it. But if you don't want to do it, that's fine too. In the beginning, that was a really hard one. Um, but now I feel a lot more grounded and rooted about just being who I am and how I want to run my business, even though it may not fit the stereotypical mold of business, but I do it in um, leading from my intuition and, and listening to what my heart says a lot more than what the business brains might say. Cool. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause um, when you talk about um, like for me, I've, I've applied to, to speak at a few events mm -hmm. and I've been denied. So right. I'm, I'm from March, I'm, I'm working with someone and, and I'm going to put together my own event. And it was, it was like, you know what? No one's going to have me speak. I'm going to create that. my own, I am going to create my own event. I know some people that, that, that are some wonderful speakers. I'm going to ask them to, to be a part of it. Yeah. Um, most of them had said yes already. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this happen. I put this, this event together Because again, it was, like I said, I've, I've applied to a couple of different things and mm -hmm. got no, got no as an answer. And I'm like, you know what? Why, why can't I put an event together? I, I know the people, I know people who, who are doing events, who are creating events. I'm just yeah. going to create my own event. I'm going to speak at it. That's it. And I love that. I'm working on that. It's, it's toward, it's, uh, we're aiming for sometime in March. Um, we're nice. getting all the stuff situated now, but it was, it was just something I was like, you know what? I'm just going to just do it myself. Yeah. And yeah. I, I love that. And, and you know, if there's a gap and an opportunity and people, you know, want to connect and you can be a conduit for that. Like, why not? That's a beautiful thing. And then you can use that experience on your next uh, speaker application that you spoke yeah. that they don't even know that you organized it. Yeah. And then that's what I, I was like, you know what? I'll just put together an event. It'll, it'll give me some, gives me proof that I, I can speak in public and have my recording. And yeah, so yeah it, it was, it was that's just fun. like, it was just me just, oh, all right fine and, and and it's funny because that's how a lot of uh there's some writers and and actors and stuff that they ended up writing their own stuff because they couldn't get put in movies or like the Wayne brothers they yeah. they wrote their own stuff because nobody was hiring them so they're like all right well we're gonna create our own lane we're gonna yeah. so i figured why not why can't i create my own lane there's people doing it i i, I have i've built relationships with people that are more than willing to help me put the event together. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, and I, I've, when I was telling the art festival that I organized, like when you create something, you can name the values and what's important to you. Right. And, and you can find people who have the same values, right? Like, you know, your event, if you don't want people pitching, at your event, like all the speakers just end up, they're just talking about their products the whole time. Like that's a pretty strong value, <laughs> you know? Whereas like a lot of these events you go to and it's just like them pitching. It's like this much value and this much pitching. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, it should be kind of the opposite. You can still yeah. pitch and be there and talk about your book or talk about your thing. And that's really awesome. But, you know, when you create your own thing, you can really be rooted in, in your values and you can make decisions based on those values and find others that are aligned with that. And then it makes, it makes the organizing of it actually a lot easier because you're rooted in that and those values and, and what's, it import, what's important to you. And then you'll attract 
people who are looking for that type of event and that that value system yeah. for sure, right? Yeah. I think there's so much room for I just getting to know you in this short amount of time, I could see your event being very authentic, very genuine, very caring about who was there, you know, like, you know, and I there's like there's not enough of that in in the event space. And I do a lot of events, a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of them. Oh, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I agree with it's, it's doing this is really giving me the opportunity to really be myself and yeah, and just be able to um, just, oh man, I just love the fact that at least in this community, there are, there are so many people that are willing to help you. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful. And with and like I said, it's I've built some great relationships with some amazing people, and just the fact that they're willing to help do help me to get this done and do the it's it's a blessing to me. It's just shows me like at least personally to me, it, it just shows me how much they value me and what they think of me when they say yes. Yeah. And and I really do pride myself on on building some great relationships and and, and showing support to my friends that are in, in the industry or whatever industry they might be in. Yeah. I, I just try my best to support it. if if it's clicking and sharing something that they posted or mm-hmm. or connecting people together, that it, that's to me it is what I truly do and love most is being able to help people and mm-hmm. and making it like you, you mentioned anal- analytics earlier like i don't really don't care about the analytics it's the messages that i received from people telling me that's your I measure had, yeah i had to i had to i had a great time listening to this episode or this episode impacted me because you were I, I resonated with me like i had a friend mean like one of my early shows probably like 30 something it was a friend me and a friend from high school and we had a great conversation, talked about self-development, growth, uh, goal setting. I started my own, like yourself, right at, during the pandemic, I started my own production company. And mm-hmm. and so we just had a great conversation. And I had another friend of ours, a friend of ours from high school. She sent me a message and was like, listening to two guys that I grew up with talk mm-hmm. about starting a business and self-development yeah. and all this stuff. And I've been on the fence about starting my own business. Yeah. And to hear two guys I grew up with talk about this mm. made me go like, okay, if these two guys that I know personally that I grew up with are doing this, yeah, why can't I? Yeah. Well, what is it? What is it that they have that I don't that I, and so she started a business. I love that. <clears throat> That's awesome. So yeah. Moments. Yeah. Yeah. You get, yeah, you, you can get inspiration from anybody and from anything. And when you have that personal connection, it just amplifies that even more. That's for sure. I love that story. That's a beautiful one. And newsflash, starting a business doesn't have to be as scary as it sounds. <laughs> It's it's hard in the sense, but not hard in the sense that you think it is. You know what I mean? Like the nuts and bolts, not that hard. Yeah, like the work of it, like yeah. yeah. Creating the content is not the hard part of it. It's the other part of the marketing is all the other stuff. That's the hard but and you can uh, learn those things or you can hire someone to do them, right? You Mm -hmm. can hire or figure it out, the hot the the stuff that might be more hard, but Yeah, that's that's one thing that really frustrates me. And one thing that I do love to talk about is like as a creative entrepreneur is like I've created this very bizarre business out of doing this very specific thing and I'm feed my family, you know, with it and have a nice life here in Canada. It's a great time. But, you know, it's um when my dad told me at Canadian Thanksgiving that uh, whenever he tells anybody what I do, their everybody's response basically is, and she makes money doing that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, 
I do. Wouldn't you like to know? Right. But people just don't know what they don't know. And it's, you don't need to get upset with them. They just don't know. And the word that I've been using a lot lately is ignorance, but ignorance doesn't have to be a bad word. It's not, a, it doesn't have to be condescending like we've used it. Mm -hmm. It just means you just don't know. Yeah. Right. And that's okay that you don't have all of the information. Right. It just means like, Maybe the opinion you formed about that thing isn't as well-informed, right? You have an opinion, may not be as well-informed. Like, I think starting a business is really hard is an opinion that is formed, whether or not that person has a lot of experience starting businesses before <laughs> or being around a lot of people who started businesses or you know, like people who uh, haven't created a creative business they wouldn't know what it is I do every day and how I make money doing it. Right. But oh, we just, there's the negative rhetoric of artists don't make money. So how in the world would she ever make money doing that? Right. Um, I, and I got someone to survey some of my clients a couple years ago and those clients would told my person, like she needs to charge more. Right. So you have clients telling your third party person, Oh yeah. Be, she shouldn't charge us more, but she should charge more in general, right? So, which is nice, you know, but yeah, anyways, a bit of a tangent there, but I'm happy for your friend. That's a beautiful thing. And I'm yeah. glad that you are a conduit for that because that's really special for sure. But now, um, we've wow, we've been talking for over an hour. <laughs> I just love like it's just such a good time. I'm oh, glad no. we actually had the time though. It wasn't yeah, no, like no, a twenty minute conversation. I love it. I love it. I love this yeah. is what I love about my pod. This is what I love about doing the podcast and then because we when we talk when you were talking earlier and you were talking about being the authentic self and and like how we just I like to just let the conversation flow and I guess I'll have questions, but I just like to let the conversation flow and let the, everybody just be themselves. Mm -hmm. Like there's sometimes I'll have a guest and they'll send me a list of questions that they want to answer. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I might ask this one, but I'm not going to ask every single one because I want it to be more authentic. I want you to come out. Yeah. I don't want you to come out, like come off sounding like you're just trying to sell something. I want you to come off yeah. to be yourself, have a good time. And then you're going to get, there's going to be a point in the show where you're going to actually come and get to plug away and, and let everybody know where they can find you and all that. But for the most part, I want them to get to know you, get to see that you're a real person and you're not just here trying to sell something that you really are someone who, who has a story to share and, and, and has a vision and, and, and is willing to, to share with people. So. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful thing. I, I love the your format. And I love that we got to talk about you and your podcasting journey while we were doing while we were talking about my stuff too. It's like a beautiful like conversation. Yeah. Cyclical, yeah, very cyclical. Yeah. Got to talk about your stuff too and your journey. So that that's awesome. But, yeah. But now is I mentioned it. Now is the time where <laughs> you get the solo layout and you get to plug away and let everybody know where they can find you, where they can yeah. everything. Yeah, so uh, mindseyecreative.ca, uh, though I work globally, my .ca is Canada. So all things Minds Eye Creative is if you want to chat about an event or a meeting in person or virtual, we could chat about what that would look like for me to visualize that for you. Um, but I also have a community, a newsletter, and a book around learning how to do this for yourself. So if you have a kid, needs to take notes if you do a lot of meetings and you're like that might be fun and I could actually you know deepen my learning um sketchnote.school is all things to learn how to sketch note and I promise you it's not hard and there's no prerequisites you don't have to learn how to draw anything and um my book the beginner's guide to sketch noting can be found on that website or Amazon or basically anywhere so yeah awesome awesome yeah Thank you for being a guest. This was wonderful. Um, yeah. Usually, usually, my, my, usually the episodes, I try to keep them 30, 35, 45 minutes old. But when you're having such a great conversation <laughs> and you're having such a good time, time just flies. And just you like, don't even get into it until about 30 minutes. That's yeah. the problem. It's like that's when the good stuff starts. Yeah. 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 But usually, usually, 
when then that happens, the conversation tends to just go on a little bit longer than usual. Yeah, it's either I, thirty minutes or ninety. Like, yes. take your pick. You know. <laughs> yeah, yes, and I, I love, and you can. That's when I tell. I can tell when the episode is going real well when I do hit the hour mark. Like when I do hit the hour, hour mark, I'm like, and it just feels like it hasn't been an hour. It just just flew by. Flew, flew by and. Yeah. So that, that to me, those are the shows I love to do. It's just the ones where the, the conversation just flows, and yeah. we just have a great time. I love but that. Thank you so much for being a guest. This has been so much fun. Yeah, and I, you know, I I'd come back anytime. I was like, oh, you're I you're welcome know. anytime. <laughs> you got any projects coming? If you get any projects in the next few months coming out, just send me a message. Yeah, I, I've had repeat guests on. Um, I I love to have repeat guests on to to see where you're at and and yeah check in six, six men check in every six months yeah sounds good that sounds good <laughs> no i love that no i really appreciate um the invite i'm glad that we got connected and uh this was uh, a beautiful way to spend my evening so i really appreciate it your thank time you, thank you yeah thank you uh, yes thank you um but um don't leave just yet let me close out the show and we'll chat a little bit more off the mm -hmm. air but um yeah I, thank you Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Oh, that wonderful time. I had a wonderful time. Shout out to everybody in the chat. Cece, how you doing? Thank you for always coming by. She said hello. Aww. She talked about my quiet storm voice. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. She laughed at it. Um, <laughs> but thank, thank you all, who everybody who tuned in, um, everybody who supported the show. Greatly appreciate it. As always, big shout out to my real wise fam, Poppy J, Brandy J. Love you guys. Shout out to my man, Cole Johnson, my mentality partner. Love you, brother. Shout out to the boss lady, Fina. Love you and appreciate you, baby, for everything you've done for me. Shout out to, to my guest, Ashton, for coming through and, and having a, a wonderful conversation. I love it. I love it. And as always, a big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless y'all. Be safe. You know how your boy Wise does it. Peace out.